Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The noon game was, or, well, I think it was noon, 12.30, whatever, was uh, Georgia Tech-Virginia. I tracked how that game was going based on the panic text I was receiving from a friend and a poster of this show weekly, uh, Caroline Darty. Caroline Darty, right. <laughs> she, yeah. I just got in all caps. You told me they couldn't pass. Um, <laughs> I was like, well. You're, you're not wrong. I mean. That's what I said. I said, look, Caroline, I wasn't wrong. Uh, but I guess when you have six DVs out or whatever Virginia's on now, yeah. um, you, you can pass. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow. Um, Pretty crazy uh, week 11 in the ACC, uh, because as usual, whenever someone's good, besides Clemson, uh, they do something to show us that they're not. And I have a return guest with me, Norm Wood from the Daily Press and Virginian Pilot. Did I do it right? You got it. Yes. Okay. It's getting a longer title every year now, so... Yeah, I know, but it's I'm always just like, how do I identify him? Uh, he... He covers Virginia Tech primarily, especially during football season because, well, um, (laughs) and I had to have him on because, um, yeah, I guess Virginia Tech has, it's official maybe that Virginia Tech has decided to be good now. Is that, is that, is that where we're at? Or at least like not terrible, really. I mean, they're just, they've decided to be a pretty decent football team seemingly. Yeah, all of a sudden it does seem that way, and I agree with you. It's it's not something that I don't think any – really, honestly, I'm not sure if anybody here in Blacksburg thought that this would be the case uh, after the 2-2 two and two start and the complete and total embarrassment uh, against Duke at the end of September when they lost uh, 45-10, to 10, worst home loss in, well, since – the dawn of time pretty much and in Blacksburg. I've been 45 years or so since they lost that bad at home. But um, and, and and after this weekend's win against Wake Forest, um, Bud Foster, which was, of course, it was a Bud Foster day and they celebrated all things Bud and unveiled a banner and all that good stuff. And it was, it was cool. But um, he talked about something that we never, we hadn't, uh, hadn't been revealed. And it was sort of that they'd taken on this, what they called, they called it AD after Duke approach. Um, and um, which, yeah, you know, it's, it's cute. You know, it's a nice little title and, and all that, but uh, you know, the teams do this all the time. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you get your butts whipped and all of a sudden you, you go back and you figure out what's going to be the, the rallying cry or the mantra. Sometimes it works. And a lot of times I bet we never hear about it because it doesn't work. Um, 
it worked this time. They're four and one since then. Uh, they're they're two points away from being undefeated and really should have won that game at Notre Dame uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, lost that twenty one twenty. And um, and and Justin Fuente went into further detail today about this AD after Duke approach and and he talked about how in a team meeting right after that he he sat he stood up in front of the team and said hey look I've been you know, he basically said, I've been bad, you know, <laughs> I've done, I've done some bad things. And, um, you know, I, I, I haven't coached you guys the right way. And in true Fuente style, he, when pressed, he didn't go into specifics about it, but which is frustrating, but he did say that, you know, look, I'm going back to the way I was before, you know, which meaning last season, as far as the approach is concerned, no more Mr. Nice guy, you know, we're going to, you know, grind at practice and do all the things that I did last year. And it sounds like he was just said that I'm going to go back to being a hard ass, you know, and, and that's, that's what they needed. I mean, it sounds like this team really needed a kick in the seat of the pants and he's done that practices. Apparently, especially the Tuesday practices have been particularly grueling. Uh, but, but uh, they've made some progress, especially in mean, the run game. It's night and day. I mean, the last three of the last four games they've run for 220 plus, and it's not like they have any new personnel back there. It's not like they've had some secret weapon. Well, sort of. Jerry Kill. It, I was going to say, kind of when you think about it. With Jerry but, Kill? I mean, or, well, I was actually just going to say quarterback. Oh, no, that's I mean, the that one. To me, is that's the, the one. Yeah, that's the one. And so I was going to say, I'm, I was saying, I'm talking about it at running back. But yes, that's oh, but that's right. the one element. Yeah, <laughs> there's no question about that. Is It's not lost on me that during this four-game stretch, the one different factor has been Hendon Hooker. This this dual threat quarterback who all of a sudden opens up a lot of the playbook. I mean, you you look at the game against Wake Forest, and one of the, the, the telltale signs of the fact that they have to respect this kid is, you know, they're they're down inside the five yard line, they're down inside the ten yard line uh, in the second half, and they've got Hendon lined up in the shotgun with Deshaun McLeese, who's been a, a decent back, but. Nothing special. He's a, he's a very serviceable back, and actually has played played well here the second half of the season, and, and well since since the Duke game really. And he's in that shotgun, obviously getting ready to play the R, you know run the RPO type setup, and 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 he he takes the handoff and uh, hands off to McLeese, but it's one of those delayed RPO situations that Wake likes to run. You know, Jamie Newman does the same thing very well, but. Two or three Wake defenders follow Hendon Hooker away from the play, and there is just a massive Mack truck size hole in the middle of the line of scrimmage, and Deshaun McLeese just truly walks into the end zone for a touchdown while, you know, a quarter of, of Wake's defense is over there standing on the side with, with Hendon Hooker watching the play develop. That doesn't happen with Ryan Willis back there, you know? I mean, and, 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 They've got to respect the run now with Hendon Hooker. That's the difference. Jerry Kill, who they brought in after the Furman game, the former Minnesota coach, as a consultant, offensive consultant, one of the first things that Fuente said he wanted him to look at was the running game and how to get it going. Well, he's he's obviously had some he's had some some his hand in this also. The development of true freshman Brian Hudson at center and and Doug Nestor at offensive guard, both of them true freshmen. Um, and and uh, and and redshirt freshman Luke Tenuta, John Tenuta's son, by the way, uh, at right tackle. Yeah. Oh, I was yep. wondering. Yeah, has all played into this too. So that's that's in a nutshell just how Virginia Tech has 
has rallied from they've gotten you know they've been banged up on the defensive side but they've been very solid in the secondary and at, at linebacker they've gotten pressure on quarterbacks and they've got 29 sacks now this season so they've been able to dial up some blitzes that they weren't able to do last year when they were so young on that side of the ball and developing and um it, it has you know since the start of october there's only two three teams in the acc that have one or fewer losses clemson obviously and virginia tech's four and one and pitts three and one that's it so it's it's been a been a nice turnaround. I think, okay, so look, we had our own situation here locally with quarterbacks. And we don't have the ability to know why a coach makes a decision mm-hmm. or not. But I guess what, what from your perspective, went into it? Like, what, why did it take so long for the Hinden Hooker era to get started? Like, Dave, NC State fans with Dave Doran have been a little bit annoyed that Devin Leary didn't play sooner. Obviously, I think we're sort of slowly seeing it didn't really matter all that much. But I, I could come up with a list of reasons and factors why you know Devin Leary wasn't playing earlier in the season do, I mean I'm looking for anything because I always do want to give coaches a little bit of the mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt there because I think they, they don't want to lose games like the last time I had you on we were talking about Fuente's buyout I so, know I mean, right like we don't you know we don't we they don't want to lose games so I, I guess like what do you think to me this has always seemed like the more obvious way to go I mean he's done better with dual threat guys like what what do you think went into the this, like this taking so long, this transition to Hooker and and to you know more mobile quarterback? Well, hindsight being twenty twenty, we can look at that and say you know what man, just if they'd started Hendon, you know since since game one, you know where would they be? And you know, could have opened up the playbook so much more and all that from the start. But I think there was certainly with with Ryan Willis he was by far the most experienced quarterback that they had in this group. And, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, Hendon Hooker who hadn't attempted a pass coming into this season, Quincy Patterson, who, um, you know, played in four games last year. And, um, you know, we had, had, had attempted what 75 passes as a senior in high school was really just still learning how to throw the ball. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, it, and, and meanwhile, you look at, you know, Willis, who started the last, what, eight or nine games last year after Josh Jackson had gone out. He started his entire freshman season for a horrible Kansas team a few years back. And um, so, so he, he, he'd been through some of these situations. And, and you remember last year, he, he played pretty well. I mean, you know, he, he uh, led, yeah, led a nice part. win against Duke, a, a good win against uh, North Carolina, where they, you know, had to, had to, had, had, had to have some late, uh, a late drive to, to win. And, um, and and actually, I, I think under the circumstances, played pretty well. Um, his numbers weren't bad. I believe he was like twenty touchdowns and nine interceptions, something like that. Um, so he came in as by far the most experienced quarterback. The guy's not a horrible runner. Okay, now let's you know let, let, let's, you know no, he, he's, right. he, now he's a straight ahead guy, really tough runner, puts his head down, plows you know for yards, and uh, has a little bit of shimmy to him. But he's not you know Hendon Hooker and. Uh, you know, he, he cannot extend plays. He doesn't, he doesn't move the pocket. Uh, that's his, that's Hooker's biggest advantage is the fact that he can shift back and forth and extend some plays and create some things there. So if you look at that and just the experience factor involved, I think that there was sort of a default mode where you go with a guy who led you to some wins last year, got you to at least got you to a bowl and, and comes in with a little bit of confidence off of that situation. Um, and then just lost it. I mean, it's obviously this year, I think, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't, you know, he, he was dealing with the line that was banged up early in the season. 
Uh, they were transitioning, like I said, from some players who, on the, especially on the right side of the line, who were either banged up or ineffective to to uh, some guys that, again, true freshmen at the, at, the, at the center spot and the right guard spot. So Ryan Willis was the guy that kind of had to transition them through that phase, uh, which is hard, clearly. Um, and, you know, once the, 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 the Duke game, uh, I think was a, a, a real, um, I mean, that, that killed the confidence of a lot of guys on this team, especially your starting quarterback. And at that point, I think the writing was on the wall that a, that a, that a change needed to be made to try to not only, uh, create some more confidence at that position, but also to, to open up the, again, like I said, open up the playbook and give them some more options because the running game was horrible at that point. Um, you know, they, they weren't able to, to, they were averaging under three yards of carry. Um, so it, something had to be done and that was the easiest, you know, that was the easiest button to push to, to, to go to a guy that they knew they'd had in the system for a couple of years and had been able to watch. And if you were ever going to give him an opportunity, this was the chance to All do right. it. Well, you've made it make a little bit more sense. I think that, I think I can kind of get with that now. So, um, at least, at least I understand why you're right about the hooker thing and throw many passes and. Uh, that makes a little bit more sense. And and yeah, Willis did play well last year. So, okay. I, I can kind of wrap my head around this a little bit more now. If I'm not um, mistaken, you know, if I'm not mistaken also, uh-huh. I think that was, if I, I, I got to go back I, for some reason, I'm blank and I don't have the scuttle in front of me. There, there was, I think there was an open week between the Duke and the, and the Miami games also. So that, that also gave them an opportunity to, to further groom, you know, and make, you know, a game plans for, with, with hand and hooker. So it just kind of fell right in the schedule too to make a change if you're going to do it after a disaster like Duke uh, to, 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 to give the kid, you know, like Hinton Hooker an off week to, to prepare for, you know, a, a, a tough trip to, to Miami and, and, and to, and to get yeah, it done. Yeah, no, that, that yeah. makes some sense. Um, not really much to say about Wake. I mean, they're still good enough team. They're going to go get slaughtered by Clemson and then, mm-hmm. you know, they'll beat Duke because Duke is terrible. We'll get to them. Um, and, you know, it's still, it's still a really good season for them, I guess just the orange bowl shakeups really the only thing that's on the table at this point. Um, Cause you know, it looked like wake was going to get that. And now it's a little bit more up in the air, but you know, I, I mean, I guess Virginia tech could sneak into that conversation if they win the coastal, I think. Oh, they certainly could. I mean, if they, if they win the coastal that they're, they're and, and they're in control of their own destiny at this point still, if they, if they went out, they win the thing, then all of a sudden they're sort of the, the odds on favor to, to get that. I mean, that's, which is stunning. I mean, well, could Notre Dame could Notre Dame leap, leapfrog them there, or is that I forgot how that works? Yeah, I don't think that's the factor anymore. I think that's no longer a factor this okay. season. I think that they're out of that equation. So you know, it'll be interesting because obviously it's right there for Virginia Tech, and not to well actually you, but uh, Chip Kelly blew my mind a few weeks ago by pointing out that um, when he was asked about UCLA controlling its own destiny, that you can't ever really control your destiny because your destiny is a preordained set of events, and I was like, huh. Okay. I had a I, deep conversation I, with someone on Twitter about this the other day that blew my mind. So I'm I don't want to go back down that rabbit hole again. It's 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 a <laughs> it's it's confusing place to be. It really is. Um, and I did not expect to learn that lesson from Chip Kelly of all people. But right, uh, yeah. Uh, that the noon. I stand corrected. By the way, there was no open week between Duke and Miami. So yeah, I wasn't there, there was an extra day there. There was one, the Duke game, I believe, was on a Friday, Friday night. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, so we'll give them one extra day. I'm sure that made all the difference. So <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah. The noon game was, or, well, I think it was noon, 12, 30, whatever, was uh, Georgia Tech, Virginia. I tracked how that game was going based on the panic text I was receiving from uh, 
<laughs> friend and uh, poster of the show weekly, uh, Caroline Darty. Caroline Darty, right. <laughs> she, yeah. I just got it all caps. You told me they couldn't pass. Um, <laughs> I was right, like, well. You're, you're not wrong. I mean. That's what I said. I said, look, Caroline, I wasn't wrong. Uh, but I guess when you have six DVs out or whatever Virginia's on now, yeah. um, you, you can pass. And yeah, I mean, look, Georgia Tech, I think it's a combination of things, right? Like I think it is Virginia Tech's banked up defense. And then you had Georgia Tech uh, figuring some things out, I guess, uh, piecing some things together, um, <laughs> I suppose. Like, I don't know. I, I Look, I have said this all year. I do think that their defense is better than what uh, the numbers would indicate because they're just always put in such terrible positions by the offense. And in this game, the offense, the offense helped them out a little, but weirdly enough, and I'm sure Virginia fans are sort of face palming at this, their offense is figuring things out right at the time with their defenses is like getting torn to shreds by injuries. Yeah. I mean, Georgia tech in particular is like, they just can't, they, they have such a hard time sustaining drives right now. And um, especially in the second half against, against Virginia. I mean, they're what, I think I saw there were three of ten. I think they were in, on, on on third downs yeah. and and three of nine. And I'm sure most of that was yeah in the second half, not being able to do much of anything. And you know, credit to Virginia for adjusting and figuring some things out too. But yeah, yeah, they it, it's like you said, it's all you know. They had 19 first downs, three of nine on third, but they averaged uh, 6.9 a play, which is whew, right. But, but they just didn't. They didn't run many. I mean, they ran 54 plays. So, yeah, they got some big plays, and they were able to get those, but they just can't sustain drives right now. With But 15 of 22 for Graham. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. I mean, for a guy that's, what, completing 47% of his passes this year. That would be interesting tape for Virginia Tech to watch this week because they got to go down there this weekend and um, see, see see what uh, Jeff, Jeff Collins has got going on. And, um, you know, James Graham in particular is a particularly interesting one for Virginia Tech to look at just because it – he was a guy that was heavily recruited by Virginia Tech, committed to Virginia Tech, reneged on that commitment, and then flipped uh, a few days later to Georgia Tech. And the, the big deal there was the fact that Virginia Tech wasn't going to let him play quarterback. He was going to play receiver or defensive back if he came to Blacksburg. So, um, you know, that's sticking in the back of, of Graham's mind. I don't know if it makes any difference, but, um, you know, it's um, – Something to consider, anyway. Yeah, I mean, if the coastal goes true to form, uh, Virginia Tech loses. Exactly, right? that's exactly right. Yep, <laughs> yep. Oh, well, really, and as I like, I said, and and I think this next game that we're about to get to really proves this point. Everyone in the ACC besides Clemson is the coastal, and Florida State, Boston, Florida State, Boston College gave us that, right? I mean, unbelievable. What was that? I, I even tried to talk by. I tried to talk myself into it uh, before the game because, look, Florida State does still have talent. But, I mean, to me, it was like, all right, they've obviously checked out based on the way they played against Miami. They're transitioning from a new coach. I know they love Odell Haggins, but, like, still. And Boston College's offense had been really, really good, and it was still plenty good. But, yeah, oh, boy, the the defense wasn't. Uh, that hasn't been good all year. But Florida State's offense hasn't been anything to write home about exactly. So, yeah, I just – I did not see this one coming, especially in the red bandana game of all things. Right, yeah. It, 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 I am never going to get used to a – running back in 2019 carrying the ball 40 times. I mean, what in the world? That is that blew me away when I saw that. I mean, I and I get it. I, it's AJ Dillon. We're not talking about a normal human being here as far as the running game is concerned, but man, that it's like it's like they just went all in and said, "Here, take this. This is yours and and see what you can do with it." And 
I don't, I, I confess that I don't know an awful lot about Dennis Grosel, but um, pretty good, pretty good game throwing the ball. Certainly. I, I think you can, you can, uh, you, you, you get a lot of, uh, uh, you get some openings when you get a, a guy like AJ Dillon carrying the ball that many times. And, uh, but yeah, you, you, if you can't slow down um, Florida state with James Blackman and uh, it not, I mean, what I can't have, what, how many, what was it? Uh, 340 some yards on 18 receptions or something like that. I can't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, that's, that's a pretty good day as far as, uh, you know, uh, being able to, to, to pick up some yards after catch and stuff for guys like Maury and Terry, I guess, had a huge game. And, um, you know, it's, there's some, some, obviously some major issues, like you said, on the defensive side of the ball for, for Boston College up there. And now they're just, you know, it's two teams struggling just to get bowl eligible. And I got to think Florida State's got some forward momentum there, oddly enough, um, after after getting rid of getting rid of their coach. Well, a big season. thing for them, it seems like, uh, is Jordan Travis getting in uh, three rushes for 94 yards, two touchdowns. That's a guy that I guess not a not that Willie Taggart needs anything else bad, but he, you know him not having played I guess was something that FSU was like where where's this guy been all year and that was a new wrinkle sort of added in there and um, maybe we'll see a little bit more of him going forward too. You got to do everything you can to disguise that offensive line if you're FSU. So um, no kidding, it's amazing to me that that Cam Akers already has a thousand yards behind that line. That's that's. Speaks a lot there. Well, him. I mean, if, I think if you had told Steve Adazio that Cam Akers would have 59 yards rushing and Dennis Grossel would have been 20 of 29 for 227, he would have been like, we won by 40. And that's just not what happened. What a weird game. What a weird ACC. Like, you tell me. I don't know. I got nothing. Um, no, I mean, but that week, you know, it's like you said, we can say that every single week and it doesn't, you know, it, but, but it's a new form of weird every week. I give him that. You know what I mean? There's a new. You know, it's 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 never the same thing twice. So it's something. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything, any any way you can put your finger on exactly how they're going to uh, out weird themselves from one week to the yeah, other. Yeah, and this this result was not weird to me, except for the margin. Um, Louisville Miami. This was a game that intrigued me almost as much as Wake Virginia Tech. Um, in that, like, okay, Miami's on the upswing, like, but can they sustain it? Louisville can put up points. Can Miami? Uh, had Cam Underwood on uh, from State of the U to preview that game, and that was his biggest concern. And boy, did they. Wow, Miami. Holy crap. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was really happy to see that because I've been like a Jaron Williams hawk all year. I'm I'm dying on the weirdest quarterback hills, I have to tell you. Like, I, I don't <laughs> – I'm telling you, like, I don't know why, but, like, for me – they're just quarterbacks I really like a lot, and he's 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 been one of them for me. I, I liked what I saw out of him against North Carolina. Um, I understand why they went back to Nkosi Perry. I know Jaron Williams is a little hurt as well, so that didn't help. Yeah. But they've just really, I think you know, it's a combination of adding some new wrinkles in there, and then you know the offensive line growing up a little bit. Um, that you mentioned a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, but I'm just that was that was super cool to see. Um, uh, they six touchdown passes, unbelievable yes. fantasy league. God, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I missed ACC fantasy. I did used to play, um, mm. but Me yeah, too. yeah, like th- although this year would be oof, this year would have been a nightmarish year to play ACC fantasy because of how bad some of the offenses are. But um, yeah, like Miami just has has seemingly figured some things out, and uh, this doesn't mean anything for Louisville. Still a really fun and good season, and like a good story and all that good stuff. So. 
Um, and look, Louisville still has an opportunity. What they've got five wins, yeah. So they they can get yeah, you get to five and four at this point. I mean, for for those guys, that's I mean that it's already a win. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Anybody if you saw you know what they were like at, at the end of the season last year, especially for, on the defensive side and that offensive line. I mean, that's. I mean, to, to put these two, to, to put five, you know, a five and four record together at this point, that's, that's pretty amazing stuff from Satterfield. I mean, I can't, um, I don't know if it's certainly, I don't think it's coach of the year type material, but um, you know, it's, you know, if, you, if you're looking at just level of improvement, he's, he's, uh, he's done some nice things there for yeah. sure. I mean, they, they, they still have plenty to be excited about and look, they go to NC state this weekend um, and can, you know, they could get bowl eligible there quite easily. Um, I mean, shoot, NC State and Syracuse back to back. I mean, that's that's that could be two wins. I mean, it, it, who would have thought Syracuse would be winless in the ACC? You know, more than halfway through. I mean, we're, they're they're five games in, in the ACC slate. They don't have a win yet. That's unbelievable. And I I don't know that I I mean their best chance is this is this weekend, but poof, yeah. Oh man, they are they are real bad, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not much else to say about that one either, um, except, yeah, now they get NC State, Louisville does. That gets us to – well, that gets us to that game. Um, yeah. <laughs> Was there surprise about this? I mean, I can't, you know. No, um, I think that – look, I, there was, I think, a part of state fans, and I speak for I speak for them a little bit locally, mm-hmm. uh, in that, I, you know, they, they've had some nighttime magic at Carter-Finley. I think they do look down the road and see that North Carolina played uh, Clemson relatively competitively. That was a little while ago, to be fair, before Clemson went into war machine right. mode. But, <laughs> you know, it, they, they had – you know, maybe they could figure something out. They have the quarterback in that state fans have wanted in all year. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe Clemson helps out, makes some mistakes, and I think it was a combination, right? Like it's Clemson being Clemson, but then also I think state state fans I know were upset with the way that they looked because um, they did not look good in any way, shape, or form or facet at all at any point in that game. Right. Just nothing. It was a disaster. It was just a disaster. It really was. And it's, and it's going um, downhill quickly too. It seems like I mean this is this is three consecutive really really bad looks now for NC State. I mean, I, and I get it. And, you know, one, one, you know, you're, you're at Wake, and um, you know, it's 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 you know, then Clemson obviously coming to town, and then at BC before that. That that's that's what three consecutive twenty one plus point losses for. For state, they're, they're they're headed the wrong direction. I mean, and and, and um, you, you know, you add in, I believe it was a 31-14 or thirteen loss, I guess, to FSU a couple weeks before that too. So um, this is this is a pretty ugly stretch for those guys, to say the least. And I, were you at that one? This Clemson game this um, last weekend, or so I. I was not at any game, um, partially because ACC decided to force basketball on, upon us. Um, so just from like an hour's work perspective, I couldn't do it. And then also I was waiting, I was waiting with my boss to see if state showed signs of life against Wake Forest. They did not. And and there was no, yeah. I mean, if they'd been a little frisky in that game, maybe, because then maybe you say, well, maybe they could do something here or at least make Clemson sweat. But they're just, they're also, you know, similarly to teams like Virginia, except for their injuries are spread across various positions. They're just, they're real banged up and they didn't have a lot of right. depth to begin with. Um and it's just, it's been a real perfect storm mm-hmm. of bad, honestly, for, for State. Just a perfect storm of bad. Um, I guess the one good thing they could take out of that game is that uh, uh, Bam Knight played well, right. ran the ball well. Yep. Um, 12, that's 
pretty much literally. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> and I, I, I uh, not too bad at all, obviously. But uh, I just wondered if you were there to see. I, I didn't know what what uh, Carter Finley looked like at halftime. I mean, with them down forty two zip. I mean, did, was anybody there in the second half? I mean, was the place just empty? I didn't see. I saw none of that game in the second half. Obviously, the thing is, the thing is too. There's a controversy at state where um, already where they have um, this thing called passouts where yeah. Yeah, where they're yeah they're allowed to leave and come back, um, obviously. And it was a cold night too. It was one of the coldest nights we've had in a while, um, maybe since like. So yeah, I mean, as you might imagine, when you're down, what you were down at half, what I think it was forty two nothing at half. Forty two um, zip, yeah. And and there were reports, and I don't, you know, I've heard disputed accounts about this. There were reports people were even leaving after the first quarter because they were down twenty eight nothing after that. Um, and, and so yeah, I mean, it was obviously a sparse crowd, um, somewhat understandably, but still. Uh, people, it was pretty empty in there after, by the time the second half started. And obviously that just got worse as the night went on, but, um, yeah, it it was, (laughs) it's not, yeah, it's, it gruesome's a good word for it. I mean, look, I think at this point state is looking at, you know, because they're a win away from two two wins away, I guess they have to win out. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, even if they don't though, even if they don't, um, beat Louisville and basically they're looking at a potential best finish of five and seven, not unlike your area. Um, I think they'll go, they'll get to that North Carolina game with the potential to, uh, to ruin North Carolina season too. Cause North Carolina is also sitting at four and they're, they're going to pit this weekend. They got Mercer after that. So they get the fifth and then they could potentially play spoiler um, for North Carolina, assuming they don't get like some sort of five and seven exemption or whatever, but um, yeah, they could potentially play spoiler and that's, that's what they're looking at. And I do think that state fans will turn out for that game um, about Louisville. I have no idea, but I think they'll turn out for the Carolina game, knowing every Carolina game has played out literally the exact same way. So why not go and see what happens? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, they'll be excited for that one and up for that one, but it's just, it's, it's been a perfect storm of bad. Um, I think Dave Doran might have to look into making some offensive changes after this year, at least in terms of his staff. Might he be um, forced to? You think? I mean, there's the- yeah, I, I mean, they just resigned him, right? To, you know, I don't know if he'll be forced. I think he'll be forced just in that the results haven't been there, and and as many as much as the injuries have hurt. Yeah, I mean, I just think at this point they just don't look good offensively. They don't look like they have that they know what they're doing and I don't, it's not working. So yeah, they might have to look into reevaluating that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, <laughs> what do you say? I mean, Clemson just came out and I, there was a little bit of controversy at the end because um, Clemson was trying to score one more touchdown and they did. Um, but that's, I don't care. <laughs> right. Exactly. Who cares? I mean, you know, Honestly, what what is the difference between what what was it fifty five fourteen and then forty eight fourteen? I mean, come on. I mean, it's they've got things to work on too. You know, I mean, it's it, uh, that- well. And interestingly, I, a lot of state fans I know were mad about um the, at least in my Twitter mentions. Which, to be fair, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that's a sample size. But they were mad that he went for it on fourth down at the end of the first half. But like to me, it's like you know what? They might have a fourth down play they want to work on. Like the reason. The reason literally does not matter. And like all of their backups were in the game, you know, pretty early from what I remember. I was going to say, if you're if you're working on that with with first teamers in the game in the first half, especially that's that's critical time because you're not like you said, you're not going to get that opportunity in the second half when you've pulled all those guys. So I I don't you know, 
I don't get, I, I never got that, uh, I never understood the very specific, uh, play specific grousing from fans about unfairness and, and, you know, stop them, you know, just stop them. You know, if that's, if that's the issue, stop them. Easier said, easier said than done. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. There was a lot being made of the fact that Dabo and, and Dave Doran might have some beef and they've had some issues in the past, but, uh, you know, actually, and I thought so as well, especially like, you know, with the little bit of a, what was termed a frosty handshake. But I think what Dabo said was right. And both of these guys have generally been pretty honest about the way they feel about each other and the way they feel about things. And um, both of them sort of downplayed it doing a little digging after the game. It seems like that's been a little overblown and their relationship is fine. Like there was the laptop thing a few years ago where, Do- where Doran was like, they had, they had a laptop on the sideline and it ended up being for social media. Oh, I remember this um, now. I, I totally forgotten about that actually. So. And D- Dabo was not happy about that. And I understand why, like you want to accuse somebody of doing something like that. Like maybe, maybe wait Dave and dial it back and like, ask him or ask somebody, you know, do some investigation before you just trot that out under presser. But seemingly they've apparently buried the hatchet. Everything's cool. Like that's not what this was about. And Doran had no issue with it's it. It's just their turnover laptop. It's their turnover laptop <laughs> is what it is. Right. You know? they, they had a play card the next year with a laptop on it. Uh, Clemson did, um, which was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, but like seemingly, like seemingly Davos completely over it. And both of them were like, it's nothing. And like Dabo said, he was like, look, What's he, he's not going to want to talk for a long time. Like they got, you know, they got problems. I was going through, this is like a little inside baseball, but I was at work today and I had to stream Dave Doran's presser. Um, and he, uh, basically he said that, um, I was going through his thumbnails cause we have to put like a picture on the story or whatever. I was going through the thumbnails we had in our system of Dave, like in post game situations and at pressers and they were just all Doran just making the whelp face basically like. Just a whole lot of sadness, and I and I get it. Just he's never been the most like smiley guy, anyways. But literally every still image we have of him in our like archive is him like making the whelp face, and it's yeah, it's, sums it up. You you could have a whelp face off between him and and Dino Babers this year because Dino's had a few. He's he's got some fantastic whelp faces too. If you catch him at the right time, I mean it's it's been. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who'd win that competition. It's really sad because like people, even when they were winning, like Dave Doran was, uh, is, has been compared to Toby mm. from the office. So good luck True. on seeing that. And then, True. and, but Dino is so smiley and happy. Like that's, that's sad. And that's what I'm saying is that's why the whelp faces are so pronounced, I think, because exactly. You, you see that side. Ugh. You don't see that side. You didn't see any of that last year. That's for sure. No. So, and, uh, look, Clemson at this point is really just playing, Glorified yeah. scrimmages. So yeah, it is what I it mean, is. just playing, playing up the string, and until they get to to the ACC championship game, to to whoever they get to destroy in that one. I mean, it's just it is it is a glorified series of scrim. I mean, what is the what, so let's see, they had the UNC game, I guess, where the which was inexplicable. Um, and, and beyond that, has anything been within two touchdowns? I think no, they've destroyed Nothing. everybody. A um, and M, right? They had A and M was tough, I guess, early on in the season. Kind of, but. but even that game, if you want to talk about things like game control, yeah. like they controlled that entire game. I mean, they, you know, it was at arm's length, I guess. But A and M's got a pretty good defense, and right. they were still kind of figuring things out. I would bet it. I would bet if they play that now, it's it's a wider disparity. Another forty point spread, yeah, probably. And they would, yeah. and not they're not going to play North Carolina in the title game. But I, you know, Carolina fans, you know, a few weeks ago especially were like, "Ooh, we could get them again." And I'm like, "You don't want that. You do not." 
You don't. You really don't. Um, But yeah, that's uh, nobody's going to threaten them. Honestly, like they are that much better than everybody else. And where do you have them in your Clemson? I had uh, number four. So I'm three. Sorry, I'm three. I'm three. So I yeah, I went LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and I put Bama fourth. So like, which I guess is where most folks had them. Yeah, I wrestled with it a lot. I really did. Like I've I had the I've had them one until LSU got that big win, and LSU is my one now. Um, yep, me too. I've, yep, I had Bama one also going into that game. So I have the I have I have Clemson at two um, and Ohio State at three. Um, but yeah, I mean it's I had Oregon at four. I just I had the hardest time with four through ten because you got a bunch of either one loss teams or undefeated teams yep. that you have to try to stack up in some way that's that's coherent and that's consistent. And it's just like, man, I can't like I'm not putting Minnesota ahead of Alabama. No. I'm just not no. doing it. Nor did I. <laughs> like, I. I thought jumping them from thirteen to seven or eight, like most folks did, was was certainly enough of a reward for for what was an enormous win. But yeah, jumping them ahead of Bama, I thought to me to me. Uh, look, and I get it. Uh, people hate the term "eye test." It's, it, it doesn't. It's 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 painful to hear sometimes. But I think that applies with those two programs. I honestly do. I mean, you're talking you're talking about a Bama team that's got seven or eight guys that are going to go in the first round this year. Um, and and I, I get the 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 argument about um, you know not enough quality wins or any quality wins and all that, but. Um, and, and, and someone was telling me, uh, how, how could you, how could you have them still in the top four after the weekend they had? Well, they lost by five points to, 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 to me, what is the clearly the best team in the country now? I mean, it's not as if they got, you know, they, they didn't get destroyed and, and, um, I don't know, to, to me, they still appear to be one of the four or five best teams in the country. And we're, we're getting way off into the woods if we start the CFP conversation now, but, um, you know, I, People are. I also have also have a small faction of of people that come at me and say, um, "Well, you went to Georgia. How come? You, how can you not have Georgia ahead of Bama in your rankings? It doesn't make any sense." Oh, like, God. well, so that's that's not the way this works. So sorry. <laughs> but, I have Georgia ahead, but I hate. I did it holding my nose. I really did. I, I think they have better wins. Um, I that loss was terrible, but you have to say they've got they got better wins. They got one. Heck of a worse loss. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I just I've been I've been wary on Bama. Um, I've had them fourth for weeks now. And by the way, I just I do want to share this before we move on to the last game. I've had them fourth for weeks. I have heard nothing from Bama Twitter, um, which surprised me, which yeah. I was relieved by. Yeah, but no I had, but I have a, I've had Ohio State in the same range consistently, and for whatever reason today, Ohio State Twitter is just all over me. Um, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be so overwhelmed by that win over Maryland. You were, um, you were, you were supposed was, to be impressed by that. That's, that was a life changing win for them. Yeah. And maybe Clemson should have been on sides kicking in the second half too. Whatever. <laughs> I just like, Oh, come on y'all. Like it's yeah. okay. Whatever. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I wanted to point that out for those who think that all Bama fans are nuts that they have, I, I, I have not gotten any grief from them having them lower than most people did. Um, it is a balancing act though. I just don't know. You're right. They have a ton of draft picks and everything else. I just don't know that I, it's a balancing act between what have you done, you know, and, and you know, and that's just what I'm doing. What have you done versus like, what's your potential? And that's, that's a tough one for me, but yeah, that's, that's where I've got them six, uh, but I hated putting Georgia above them because Georgia upset I agree. me this year. Uh, they upset me too. It's, it, you know, it's, they're, 
they're they are one giant tease on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, with all these weapons they have and all this potential that they have, and 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 still not able to break out. Um, it's I'm sure it's frustrating for 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 people to watch who who study them and and live and die with them, but. Um, it is also really difficult to look past that South Carolina uh, loss, seeing where South Carolina has gone since then. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, right. Yeah. This is an yeah. SEC podcast. Not really. <laughs> um, that gets us to our last game of the evening. Oh, Duke. Oh, honey. I know Duke had to be saying, gee, thanks a lot, Virginia Tech. You know, I mean, after, after, the, after the week that Tech had up there, I mean, that's. I certainly woke up Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, I guess. Although, like, Duke's got so many of its own problems. Um, eh, yeah, and I even said I was like, "Look, Duke's Notre Dame's offense is very pedestrian. Um, if Duke's defense can keep them in this game, and they just couldn't do it, they just couldn't do it. Um, and the offense can't do anything." I was going to say it's tough to keep anybody in the game when you have less than two hundred yards. I mean, it's that's going to be. Going to be a challenge for anybody. Um, it's it's so bad, and I just you know I mean there's no you know I, I don't really know what else to say about Duke. I mean they just offensively they just can't you know speaking of teams that I cover that maybe need new, a new offensive approach like which is stunning considering that's the thing that we always thought you know Cutcliffe could hang his hat on. You know, it's the he yeah he's a super loyal guy, um, and I think that's why you see this, the Zach Roper, um, I don't want to call it an experiment, but that's why you see this happening. And he doesn't like to let anybody go or make those types of changes, but that might be something they have to start looking at because this is, this is not tenable. I mean, they're just not explosive and they, and it's not getting better. It's only been getting worse. Yeah. And, and, and that's the, that's the problem. I think, especially if you look at Quentin Harris, Quentin Harris to me has regressed and that's, um, that's unfortunate because I, I I thought you know that the Quinn Harris I saw earlier in the season that came to to, to Blacksburg uh, was, was a guy that was confident and uh, they they had some they had some weapons and uh, had a little bit of protection too in that game and um, and since then I you know I granted I have not watched an awful lot of Duke in the last month but I, I keep looking at the numbers and they continue to slide and it just seems seems like he's lost an awful lot there as far as uh, just confidence. Yeah, I mean, they just can't they can't count on him to hit certain throws. And I think the jump pass was an interesting call against North Carolina, but I think part of the reason they did that, as opposed to trying to take advantage of North Carolina not having like any healthy cornerbacks and throwing a fade, which is what Mac Brown thought they would do, was because they didn't count on him to hit that throw, and um, they, they can't. And it's it's just disrupting everything they want to do. They're young on the O line. It's it's. It, breaking a bad right. offensive line in the ACC. Um, where, have we, where have we seen that? And they've gone away from some of that option stuff as well. And, and yeah, it's just, ooh, it's not good. Um, That's confusing to me that you go away from some of that, that RPO type stuff, just, you know, because – Yeah, it worked really out. well like, yep. against Tech and, and other teams. But they i got to think that that's, some, that's connected with the offensive line clearly and – an inability to get some yeah. push. I mean, and they're, yeah, it's just, I, I thought they had obviously of the two teams relatively the better chance to pull the upset and they pretty, of the triangle teams. Um, and they, they pretty much didn't, they, 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 they didn't have any better of a chance than NC state because their offense was somehow less functional, Yeah, um, which is saying a lot. It's really saying a lot. So yeah. And they got Syracuse is a big one for them. They, they, they really need that. Um, even if they don't make a considering yeah. Wake and Miami on the horizon, I mean that's 
Yeah, this is this is pretty big for them to get back to well to get to three and three and 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 build some at least have some a little momentum going forward. I honestly don't see it, but you know I've been wrong like several times recently. So um, yeah, well that recaps uh, a pretty wild week eleven. All weeks have pretty much been like that, except for Clemson. God bless them for giving consistency. Yep, yep. In this the shining beacon atop atop, atop this swirling. Um, pile of whatever in 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 the ACC. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, I I don't know. It's it's it is a bubbling crude below Clemson, though. That's for sure. <laughs> that's it's really the perfect way to put it. All right, Norm, tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Norm Wood. Very simple. And then uh, I, now I guess I have to give a whole collection of of uh, of, of websites. Um, dailypress.com forward slash sports or pilotonline.com forward slash sports check me out it'll be the same material on both of those websites but uh hey click them both just for fun why not all the clicks all right norm thanks so much 